Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. This week, I'm going to be responding to a working mom who has a two-year-old who is behaving a bit aggressively, sometimes even violently, towards other toddlers. She says that she's tried to communicate appropriate boundaries to her daughter, but the behavior seems to be getting worse. Hi, Janet. I am a new listener to your podcast and Rye in general. It has been eye-opening to see my two-year-old daughter through this strength-based perspective. Thank you for all the hard work you do to keep us parents inspired to love and respect our children. My daughter's having a rough time with physical boundaries. She began hitting about six months ago, which we felt was pretty age-typical. Since then, she's gone from hitting, when provoked, to actually bullying. When we are at a play date, she will go up to the other kids and immediately kick, slap, push, punch, or throw toys at them. We have been consistent in talking to her about boundaries. We say, hurting other people is not acceptable behavior. I will remove you from their physical space until you are calm and ready to play. Then we follow through and intervene in the situation and also allow her to try again with a cooler head. Still, the behavior is getting worse. One kid had to get stitches after she bit him in the face. I was sitting with her, but the bite happened too fast to prevent it. On her own, she is quite content. She can play for long stretches without needing any guidance. She's happy to use her imagination, sings to herself, really gets into her own world. We love this, but the fun stops as soon as another child is in the same room. Really, when she sees them crossing the threshold, she loses it and starts screaming. We do have in-home childcare. Our nanny has been with us from the day we came home from the hospital. We love the bond she has with our baby. We talk often about what is going on with my daughter, especially since a lot of it falls to my nanny because she is accompanying my daughter to play dates and toddler classes. We all feel that there's a lot of compelling evidence out there that kids need to be put into social settings where they can practice being respectful citizens. The primary reason we are participating in these types of activities is because I want my daughter to be kind and loving and safe around other people. My concern is that she seems to be communicating to me that she is not ready to tackle this developmental task. Something that may be contributing to the problem is that my husband and I are exhausted when we get home. We want to enjoy the couple of hours we have together as a family rather than take on a big confrontation with our toddler. When she hits one of us, we tell her we don't like it, then try to focus on bonding through shared meals, bedtime routine, etc. Our child care provider is eager for some guidance that we can all get on board with. My question is, should I give my child a reprieve from socializing? Okay, my short answer is yes, you should definitely give her a reprieve. I think this is a misunderstanding of what socializing is what developing pro-social behaviors is for a child of this age. I would like to know more about all this research that this parent is reading that's telling her she needs to bring her child out with groups of children and other children. That is not anything that I have ever seen or come across, and it's certainly not what Magda Gerber believed or what any of my training has been pointing to. Children learn social skills primarily through their attachment figures, their parents, number one, and then this uh, nanny who these, you know, parents are very blessed to be able to have a nanny and especially have somebody that's been with their child from birth. 
So she is what Bowlby called a secondary attachment figure for their daughter, and she will be learning a lot of social behaviors through her. So that's how children <laughs> develop social skills. I mean, this child seems to be saying that she's a sensitive child that needs maybe just, you know, at the most one other child. But what she's clearly saying right now is that she can't handle this. So yes, I agree with this parent that she's communicating this. She's loud and clear, really. It couldn't be any louder and more forceful when she's actually created a need for stitches in a child. And, you know, as soon as someone comes in the door, she's uncomfortable. She feels out of control in these situations. She cannot handle them right now. It is all too much for her. You know, I can't tell from this family's uh, note exactly why, but it happens that way for a lot of children at this age. She plays wonderfully at home when she has a little sense of control in her environment, when she can be the queen of her castle, and that's what she needs. So what came up for me when I read this note is actually a little bit of, well, dismay and also anger, to be honest, that there are so many lies out there being told to parents that tend to, you know, appeal to our most sensitive, you know, fearful parts of ourselves. A lot of what I do as a consultant is help parents give them relief from having to believe that what their peers are telling them and and, you know, what they're getting from certain, I guess, certain experts out there in the field that are, are giving them this false information about their children that they need to be in classes. And, you know, their peers are telling them, well, oh, you're not in, you know, she's not in music class yet. And, oh, you need to, you know, enrich your child and stimulate your child. And you've got to teach them how to be kind and loving by taking them out with other children in groups and I mean, I think one way to sort through lies that we're, we hear is that lies tend to be oversimplified answers or oversimplified statements about things. Things like, if your child hits, they're a bully, you know, at two years old. So this parent, you know, used that. Maybe she heard that perception that her child is bullying when her child is actually clearly dysregulated in these situations. There's a lot of noise out there. And we've got to listen to our children. And all this noise gets in the way. That's what I see happening here is that this little girl could really not be clear in the messages she's sending her parents away. She could not be clear. I can't handle this. You know, so I, I wouldn't give her, for example, you know, she, she cools down and give her another chance. No, I think I would hear that the first time, but not from a place of like, don't do that. We've got to explain why you shouldn't do that. And now you're going to stop. But like, whoa, she's out of herself there. She She's showing us she cannot be in this situation right now. And so, you know, if we have the luxury of being able to remove her from that situation and get her to a place where she's safe and other children are safe, I would definitely do that. So getting back to the way children learn social behavior, another problem here that I see is that the people that she really needs to learn from, and I don't know how the nanny is handling these, these situations, but children know you know, they, they can create secondary attachment figures. And I think that's, that is the way to have someone caring for your child, you know, whether it's in daycare or somebody that comes to your home, your child needs to develop an attachment to those people to be comfortable in their care. So it's wonderful she has this. 
But even though this woman's been with them since, since birth, which is just such a gift and so wonderful, right? Children know the difference between that person and the people that are really deeply invested in them, the people that have really committed to them, their parents. So we are still going to have the most power. Even if that other person has more time with our child, they're going to have a lot of influence. But children still know who really has their back, you know, for the long haul, who really, really cares deeply about them. And that's their parents. So when we come home uh, or when we're leaving in the morning, this is really important time. This is when kindness and love are being defined for our child, are being modeled for our, our child. And so it's so important for these parents to do whatever they need to do. Stop off on the way home from work or sit in your car for 15 minutes to collect yourself to be able to be in a relationship with this child when you walk in the door and understanding what that means. Of course, they want to have these wonderful bonding experiences when they get home and have this little bit of time at the end of the day with their daughter. Of course they do. But... They're trying to do this on their terms instead of their, their daughter's terms. What their daughter is saying is, I need to spill my feelings with you. I need to share the stress of my day with you. I need to know that you, the people that I know care the most about me, can hear my pain and discomfort from the day, hear my tiredness, hear my you know, all these feelings I've absorbed from people, you know, if she's been in these situations where she's hurting other children, then she's feeling the energy from those children, from those parents, which is even stronger than the energy from those children is probably just more surprise and whoa, what happened? And that hurt, you know, and maybe they're crying about that. But the other parents involved, you know, and maybe even the nanny or her own parents, you know, there's a lot of tension that this child is absorbing. So she needs to get that out of her system at the end of the day with her parents. So what the parents see as bonding time is in direct conflict with what the child sees as bonding time, what the child sees as quality time, what the child needs from her parents at the end of the day. And this is why I'm often sharing with parents, you know, we've got to redefine quality time and have it include these times where we are accepting and even encouraging our child to share her feelings, even if it looks really, you know, uh, unpleasant. You're trying to hit me. Wow, you're trying to hit me. I see. Not giving her a whole uh, lecture about why, why she shouldn't do it. Just stopping her, looking in her eyes and saying, whoa, I see. Yeah, you're just feeling so, uh, you're feeling like hitting. Yeah, you're just having a really hard time in this moment. It's not about the words. It's about being able to look her in the eye and let her have her feelings and not try to put her away or tell her to stop or get angry with her for what she's doing. This is the explosion that she needs to have with the people she loves and trusts the most, who care the most about her. So besides uh, giving her less stressful days, which will mean being at home, being outdoors at home if that's possible, time outside in a peaceful place, not a place where there's children invading her space. She can't handle that right now for some reason. We've got to trust that. And this doesn't mean she's a bully or somebody going in a terrible direction. She's in pain right now. She is at her wit's end. 
and she needs the comfort of stimulation where she controls the levels, uh, which children are really good at doing. If we allow them to focus and explore something for as long as they need to until they're satiated and then they spend time assimilating that knowledge and now they're going to, you know, move on to something else or get deeper into something. So children are the experts at this. We just have to trust. So see how your daughter thrives at home and trust that and enjoy that. That's a wonderful gift that she has. And it's so clear, you know, I mean, if she wasn't having any valuable moments in her day where, you know, you could see that she was thriving, I'd be very concerned, you know, and that's when I would maybe get an assessment from someone and take her to a specialist and find out what's going on. But if she's at peace with herself and obviously learning a lot in these moments where she has control, then trust that and give her more of that. It's enough. It's more than enough. It's the best thing. And then, yeah, if, you know, you see the mailman on the street or your neighbor or, you know, the plumber comes over to fix something, she will see through your modeling how, how to socialize with those people. And that's how she will learn. She's watching. She's a sensitive girl. She's taking it all in. She just needs a much slower pace right now and a lot more trust from her parents and a lot more willingness to trust that she's got, you know, as children all do at this age, she's got uncomfortable feelings to share. Welcome it. Encourage her. Want to know more about that hitting girl. And then just, you know, a detail here, the way that this parent describes her intervention with the daughter. To me, this sounds like something out of a book or, you know, it doesn't sound like the way that I would recommend speaking to a young child. She says, hurting other people is not acceptable behavior. I mean, the children just don't think in terms of those kinds of words. And this sounds so indirect instead of talking to a very young child in simple language. I can't let you hit. I see you feel like hitting. And then the message that will really help her. Don't worry, I'm here to keep you safe. Something that calms her instead of sparking her, her fear and her discomfort. She says, I will remove you from their physical space until you are calm and ready to play. I would say more like, I'm here. Hmm, it seems like you need to go home or come take a breather with me. But not being reactive, not being sharp with her in any way, being calming, gentle, and then taking note. Wow, she's seems like she's not okay here. I'm going to help her. You know, it's not that she didn't get the, the message and, and now she got the message, you know, about what she's not supposed to do. So now she's going to do better. It's, it's not a thoughtful process that she's in. It's impulse. She had the impulse to hurt and to lash out. And it can't be fixed by explaining something reasonable to her. That just, that isn't the time, you know? I mean, maybe when you're having a nice quiet moment together, you could say, you know, it really hurts people when you, when you hit. And so we would love for you to let us know in some way, give us a sign that you're going there and then we'll know to stop you and get you out of that situation because we're on your side. That's what she needs to feel safe and comfortable. So her lashing out is an expression of her extreme discomfort in those moments. And so allowing it to go on and, you know, in a way where she's going to become more uncomfortable, you can see how that will not help. 
also in terms of the nanny taking her to places. First of all, I wouldn't take her to these groups anymore. You know, if there were social settings that you were going to take her to, then I actually wouldn't have the nanny do it. Because even though this person's been with her since birth, she is not going to be as completely comfortable with her as she is with you. So it makes sense that if she's going to something stressful, like the doctor's office, or for her going to play with another child, if something like that is going to happen, I would try to have that happen when you are with her so that she has that level of security that she needs. Because she is showing you that she needs a lot of security to be able to face these situations. She needs to feel totally comfortable and in control of it. Okay, I hope some of this helps. And yes, I mean, most of parenting is the way we perceive things. And the most important thing is to listen to our children. And to do that, we have to put aside our agendas Stop listening to the noise out there about what we should be doing and, oh, you're going to get behind if this or that, and make our child number one. What our child is telling us is all that matters. I hope that helps. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reaching out to me. There's a lot more about these dynamics in my book, No Bad Kids, and it's available on audio on audible.com. And also, it's in paperback at Amazon and an ebook at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Apple.com. We can do this.